Today's episode is brought to us by CS Instant Coffee, the best coffee for any adventure you're going to go on. Use the code ADVENTURE at csinstant.coffee and get 50% off through September and October. So give it a shot. And we're also brought to you by Rome Products. They make elastic knit minimalist style wallets with all sorts of designs. Get 20% off the perfect minimalist wallet for all your adventures. It'll hold everything you need by going to wheredoyouroam.com and use the code PODCAST with a capital P at checkout. And last but not least, we have Umbras, the sunglasses that removed the arms and replaced it with a cord that you can cinch comfortably around your head. It will not fall off whatever you throw at it. So go to ombraz.com to learn more. And it's definitely, it was one of the most adventurous, challenging tracks I've done um, to date, I think. Also where I was the most out of my comfort zone because I'm not really a scrambler. I haven't done really any canyoneering and I had to do a little bit of that. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast. I'm trying to help you find adventure every day in any stage of life. You're going to hear from explorers, adventurers, business owners, and anyone living their life a little more out of the box than usual. Happy Thursday, folks. Uh, Today's episode's going back a few years, and Kurt, one of the previous hosts, is doing this interview. And uh, we're talking about the Hayduke Trail, as well as uh, hiking in the Whites in uh, New Hampshire. But uh, I've been really interested in the Hayduke Trail and some of these lesser-known through-hikes. You know, you've got the Big Three, the AT, um, the Pacific Crest Trail and the Continental Divide Trail, but there's so many dozens and dozens of other ones that are that are long trails that are not nearly as uh, popular yet. I say yet because through hiking in itself is getting more and more popular. Um, but some of these shorter ones might be more realistic for us too. So you know, maybe you can take a week off or two weeks off or even three weeks off instead of you know three to six months for some of the more traditional ones. So. Um, just wanted to go over this one. I mean, I just wanted to listen to this one myself. And uh, so I'll be listening to it for the first time with you guys. So yeah, if, you, if you're enjoying the show, we'd love to, uh, if you left us a review somewhere, um, you know, told, told some friends about it, became a patron of the show. Um, you know, we've been doing this show almost five years now, and uh, it's still a blast, still a lot of fun. I know we and so so incredibly thankful for your support and uh thank you for all the new patrons we've had a handful of new patrons this month and i'm going to give you guys a shout out by name soon um but but thank you really thank you for supporting us and if you want information about any of that as well as any of our sponsors please uh please check the show notes and also umbras um the sunglass company that's sponsoring us right now please go to their Instagram. That's also in the uh, show notes and reach out to them, DM them, and they will, um, they're giving away a handful of uh, free pairs of glasses this month. So if you're one of the first to do that, you're going to get a free pair. They're awesome. I've been wearing mine every single day for six months. And uh, it's not because uh, they sponsor us because I actually love the product. I think it's a great pair of glasses because they, they don't have arms. They just have a cinch that goes all the way around your head and or not a cinch, a cord, and you can cinch it tight. doesn't go anywhere. Really ingenious design. So I'm glad that they're supporting the show right now. All right, anyway, enough of me blabbering. 
let's get on to the episode and uh yeah enjoy your friday enjoy your thursday your friday and your weekend i hope you have something fun planned and uh like kurt always says and that i forget to say sometimes uh get out there and have some fun Hi friends, Kurt here. So glad you joined us today. Today's show is going to be all about backpacking from one of the experts on backpacking. And it's been a few months since we've done a a deeper dive into backpacking. And it's one of my favorite topics, so I'm really excited to have Arlette Lawn with us today. Arlette has been doing through hiking for years and years and years. And let me give you a quick rundown of her resume about all the hiking, because this is amazing. Uh, John Muir Trail, Pacific Crest Trail, Continental Divide Trail, Appalachian Trail, Arizona Trail, Grand Enchantment Trail, the Long Trail, the Florida Trail, the Hated Trail most recently. She also went to New Zealand and also did the, help me out here, Terraroa, if I said that yes. correctly, trail. <laughs> <laughs> And sort so, of. yeah. So Arlette, <laughs> thank you very much for being on the Adventure Sports Podcast. Welcome. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yeah. So Arlette is also a guide and instructor. She works with Redline Guiding. And most recently, she became an ambassador for Gossner Gear. So we have lots of stuff to talk about today. But first, Arlette, let's talk about backpacking. Yep. Um, for starters... Why do you backpack? I mean, holy cow, you've done a ton of it, the Triple Crown and then everything else you could throw in. So why do you do it? Um, I just love exploring new areas. I think it's one of those questions where there's like, you know, so much like, why do you do it? I don't know. Uh, it's, uh, but I think like thinking about it, mostly it is a curiosity. It's like, what's, what's around the next bend? What is, what is, you know, around the next pass? What is it going to look like? Uh, you hear about these trails and you're like, that's, you look at pictures and you're like, wow, that looks really amazing. I wonder what it's like to hike that. Um, so that I think was my initial like pools. Like I started hiking, my first backpacking trips were in Switzerland because, you know, I lived in, uh, I grew up in, in Holland and, um, and, and we did day hikes and I was like, I wonder, I wonder what it's like on the other side of the pass. And I didn't want to go back the same way. And it's like, well, if I have a backpack on, I can go and explore that other side of the pass. I can go to the next little town. I can go to the next little pass in the mountains. And, um, so uh, yeah, it's the, the, it's the adventure of, of seeing what's, what's around the bend. And then like, when you're doing it, the, the, you get in shape. And then this, the things I discovered later is like, oh, you get in shape and then you can eat whatever you want. And, um, that's fun. <laughs> sure. Um, so, um, and then like when I did the, the first longer distance ones, like I started with the John Muir trail just to see if I would like being out for, you know, like about three weeks and, or if I would just get tired of it. And I was like, no, this is awesome. I I just get to go out and I get to explore these areas and, and, and enjoy the scenery. I don't have to worry about much besides like, where am I going to sleep? Where is my uh, water source? And do I have enough food? And, and so it just brings you down to the, um, the basics, um, and you don't have you don't have as much stress, which is which is wonderful. Um, so yeah, I think it's that combination. Um, 
of of things. Um, but mostly for me, yeah, it's the scenery and the discovery of of new things and new areas. I, I really like what you said about that. Um, the idea that hey, if I had on a backpack, I could keep going. And yeah. I connected with that one because I remember having that same wonderlust that, man, I just want to see what's around the next curve in the trail or over yeah. the next hilltop. And and people that do day hikes and find themselves wishing that they could keep going and frustrated because they have to turn around, uh, they need to consider backpacking. Yeah, that's a definitely. That's a good sign that you ought to be a backpacker. Yeah, yeah. Or like, I mean, like at least like if you're, if you're just starting, like out here in the, uh, in the, the White Mountains, because, you know, I live what, two hours, three hours from the White Mountains, which so that's where most of my hiking is when I'm at home. Um, you can even uh, start by, if you have the money, you can start by going to some of the mountain huts or some oh, like, like AT where you have the little, little shelters. You don't have to carry as much heavy stuff. Um, mm. But that's a, a good place to start as well if you're going from day hiking to backpacking. Uh, but yeah, then you can go, you can go explore further and, and see more stuff. You don't have to go out and back. I have a, I have a really hard time doing day hikes. <laughs> right. it's, it's, it's so different. I was like, no, I want to keep going. I want to keep going. So, uh, yeah. Or you get definitely. to a beautiful place and I, if you're like me, you just want to throw down a tent or a tarp and your sleeping bag and know that you get to spend some time there. Yes, definitely. I just, I, I really don't like finding amazing places and then, Know that I only have, you know, okay, 15 minutes, I got to go. Right, right. (laughs) What a bummer. Yeah, true. True, nice lake or something, yeah. Well, backpacking took you not all over the United States only, but also I see here, uh, you've gone on treks in in the Everest region, Japan, Patagonia, Nicaragua, Jordan. Um, (laughs) What's neat about this is once you are a backpacker and you're very skilled and comfortable with it, man, you can do it all over the world. Yes, true. You just got to be a little careful though, because when I, uh, my husband and I, we went to Patagonia, we did the Torres del Pine and Fitzroy, and we thought they were going to be more like a through hiker kind of trip. So we uh. only bought like, we brought like one, well, I had, yeah, one set of clothes for hiking, which is what I normally have on a backpacking trip. And, and I did put in like this little cotton black dress just as a town dress. And I'm, I'm glad I did that because it was more of a city and then doing some hiking versus just hiking. So I, at some point I had my like, Oh, I have these pink long johns. So I'm walking in this nice little town and I have like pink long johns and a dress on. (laughs) I'm like, maybe I should try to find some regular black ones and not look like a through hiker. So that was interesting. It was like, Oh, okay. So sometimes when you go to different countries, you might want to think about, you know, you're not, you're not just doing a long distance through hike. You're actually going to be in towns (laughs) a little bit. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, and I could see that on a lot of treks in Europe too, right? Yes, definitely. I would think so, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the way I understand some of these treks in Europe, you don't have to do it this way, but there's usually a nice meal and some wine waiting on you at the end of the day, so. <laughs> yes, true. Why don't we spend a little bit time talking about the Hayduke Trail, because that's the one that you just completed. Yes. And so what is the Hayduke Trail? So the Hayduke Trail starts from um, in Arches National Park, and then it ends in Zion National Park. And it tries to hit. It's more. It's really not a trail. It's more a route. Um, I say that because you're not really on trails as much. You're more in washes and canyons. You're doing a little bit of technical bouldering. Um, 
and um, it's 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 beautiful. Um, it tries to hit as much good scenery as possible, um, so it's definitely not a direct route. And it's definitely it was most one of the most adventurous, challenging tracks I've done um, to date. I think also where I was the most out of my comfort zone because I'm not really a scrambler. I haven't done really any canyoneering, and I had to do a little bit of that on there. So. Um, so it was very, it was very interesting, um, learning new skills and seeing all this, this cool scenery at the same time. But it was, it was a hard one. Mm. Well, let's visit a little bit about that. So different people have different ideas about what backpacking might be like. But for a lot of people, they're looking for a well-established trail. They're looking for signage that's going to keep them from getting lost, right? And they, they're like, okay, I could do that. But what you're describing here sounds like it's, it's some route finding involved yep. in and a lot more stuff and there's different uh preferences for people what you know what what do you want to do are, are you into like more challenging things do you like to do route finding or yeah do you like do you like to have a trail uh underneath your feet and so there's yeah there's different kind of of, of trails and routes and different kind of preferences like my husband does not want to do the hayduke trail he does. He likes to have a trail. He does not like to get wet feet, and he, yeah, he's not into the the um, navigating part of it as much. So, so many, you know, like people are, oh, you guys both really like backpacking. It's like, yeah, but we have different preferences. Um, mm. So, with within within the backpacking, there's definitely different things, and and uh, yeah, that you can like or you know get enjoyment out of. I have found in Colorado that if you're on the trail, you know, you're going to be somewhat social visiting with people you meet along the way and hiking with others that are, are going to see the same beautiful destination that you're headed for. When you're on the trail, you can expect that. But if you get even a couple hundred yards off trail, which mm-hmm. you're supposed to when you set up your camp, you're not supposed mm-hmm. to camp with inside of a trail. There's nobody. Right. And I find it fascinating that so few people are willing to leave the trail behind. Right. Has that been your experience too? Um, yeah, it's, I think it's a comfort thing too. Um, and it's just like your, your skill set, And, uh, cause you see like on the Hayduke trail there, it, it was, well, I think this year there was actually about maybe a dozen people on it. So that's actually not, that's pretty decent numbers for a trail like that. Um, but yeah, it's a different way of, of hiking. Like when you're on a trail and you don't have to navigate, um, it's, it, you can zone out a little bit more. And I kind of missed that actually on this last one. I, I couldn't zone out at all. So it was always, you know, being on like You have to make sure you're on the right track. You have to make sure your footing is safe. And so you can't zone out. Whereas if, if mm. you're on like a Pacific Crest Trail or an Arizona Trail where you just follow, it's the trails super easy to follow. You can just zone out and it's kind of like more meditative. Whereas this one definitely was not like that. You had to be on the entire time, pay attention. Where am I? What am I going to do? If I slip, I'm going to die. So I can't slip. <laughs> so um, there was a lot of that going on. So, um, yeah, so different different beasts. And I try, it's, it's fun. Like whenever we I do a harder hike, I'm like, oh, now I kind of want to do an easier one. And it's it's fun to alternate and um, and learn new skills. The the easier ones don't necessarily get me new skills, but it's nice to focus more on the surroundings that way. Or yeah, get you know empty out your your mind and um, get a little bit more more um, relaxation out of it that way. So yeah, that's cool. It, what you just illustrated is that you can really choose your level of adventure with backpacking. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. 
you know, my sons and I did a through hike of the Holy Cross Wilderness area last summer, and <laughs> I, the, the listeners may have heard the episode where we chatted about it briefly. I won't go into any detail, but the point is, there were no trails. Uh-huh. Um, even an area that showed a trail on the map, the trail uh-huh. was so rarely used that it was overgrown, and really you couldn't find it. We knew the lakes that we wanted to go to. We knew the mountain passes we wanted to try to get over. And uh, essentially, we were off trail for about seven days because nice. there was no trail. But it was kind of like you said, man, you have to be on your game the right. whole time. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, it, there are some dangers involved. Not not so much getting lost if you have a good map and you know how to do the, the route finding, but more so with footing. Right, Because yep. you know, steep slopes, loose rocks, you know, you're tangled up in vegetation sometimes. Yep. Um, so, but it's... It's a grand adventure. I mean, we might yeah. put in a nine-hour day to go four miles. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, one section of the uh, Hayduke Trail that we did, a, a, I started out with two friends who had done a lot of planning and a lot of um, mapping ahead of time that they wanted to do a bunch of alternates. And um, I was kind of just following them along for the first two weeks. Um, but they were doing the uh, Behind the Rocks alternate. And, um, it, there was, it's not, it, again, it's not a trail and it was, it's also not the route of the Hayduk. So there wasn't really a lot of information about it. There was one site, um, across Utah, uh, Jamal, he has, uh, he had a lot of information on it, but you know, the, I don't think there was a GPS track or anything, but it was such an adventure. It was like, okay, well, we'll see if this goes. And like, you try and explore if you can actually go with the canyons and the fins and, all, all the rock formations, like maybe it, maybe we can't go this way or maybe we can. And it, yeah, it was a full day and I think we did nine miles. Mm. Um, but it was an adventure. So it was exciting. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So how would you recommend people begin if they, if they're like, you know, I've never done backpacking, but it sounds like that would be a lot of fun. How should they start? Um, I would probably start with an area where you're familiar, what you're familiar with. Um, and, um, yeah, we'll obviously do a lot of research ahead of time. So, you know, you're, you kind of know what you're doing. Um, uh, maybe start with some friends. Um, and, and what I always say for people that want to start doing like the AT or something, I, I always say like, don't start with long miles, start, start slow. So this is really specific for long distance hiking, I guess, but start slow. You don't, so you don't get injured. Just don't, don't get distracted by some of these other people that might do 20 miles in their first days, you know, um, start slow. So you're having a good time. You're not getting injured. You're, you're not getting blisters. And then, you know, later when you're, you know, better what you're doing, you might be able to lighten your load a little bit. And you might do some bigger miles, but at first don't, don't push yourself too hard the, f- the first time you're out. Just, just enjoy and have fun and, and get familiar with your equipment. I think that's, that's to me seems like the best way to start. Um, just get comfortable with, with what you're, what you're carrying and where you're going. And, uh, yeah, don't push yourself too hard. Here's a question for you about gear. As people backpack, they each find their own style. As their skill set improves, they get more comfortable with going with fewer things. But I think a common mistake with people that are just starting out in backpacking is trying to take too much. Right. And uh, But also, they, they bring things that, wow, it's in the store. People must use this. You know? Right. But the store is trying right. to sell everything possible, whether you need it or not. So True. what would you think are the biggest 
mistakes that beginner backpackers might make with their gear selection? Um, I think with clothing, I think is one of the, I mean, like, yes, you, you have a heavier tent, um, but sometimes that's, you know, it, it, some of the lighter equipment is more expensive, so you don't want to invest too much money right away. Uh, although I think some of the current companies now, you know, like the more common companies have, have lighter uh, tents as well, but you don't need, uh, with the clothing, it's a pretty easy one. So you don't need that many clothes. You don't have to be clean, you know, squeaky clean in the backcountry. So you carry, you know, two pairs of socks or three pairs of socks for however long you're going. Like, I wouldn't take more if I go for a month or if I go for a week. That's, you know, two pairs of socks, three pairs of socks. That's all you need. You can rinse them out, dry them out. Uh, clean underwear. You can rinse out your underwear. You don't have to carry seven, you know, pairs of underwear for, you know, a week backpack backpacking trip um i think with 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 the clothing you can definitely um yeah if you realize you're not going to wear all you know different outfits every every day that's a pretty easy one to kind of uh, cut down but i think most people start with more than what they need Mm. food what about food yeah yeah yeah, food is that's still one that i'm always struggling with because I'll be like, oh, well, I'm going to pack this. And then I like I pack too much. So then the next stretch, I'm like, oh, I, I, that was too much. So I'm going to pack less. And I was like, wait, now I'm hungry. And after all these years, I still I still can't figure that one out. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, food, I think people think they probably um, they probably overpack a lot, I think, at the beginning as well. You're not going to eat as much as you eat at home, I think. Um, so that's another one. Uh, for cooking, I think you can eat out of your pot. You don't necessarily, you don't need a cup and a pot, you know, that's, a, that's a lot of luxury stuff too. Like a lot of what, if you start lightening your load, you're going to look at, um, your items and do to have multiple functions. Do I really need, you know, and a cup and a pot? Do I, you know, stuff like that where you, sure. yeah, you don't, you don't have to have all the things separate. Um, I don't know if that makes any sense, but. (laughs) Oh, no, it certainly does. And I think another point that you're alluding to is that you, you can take things that have multiple purposes. Yes. Yes. So if you can take something that you can use five ways and you got to leave four things at home. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Very good advice. It's not always possible to take a French press or a coffee maker out in the woods with you, but thankfully now you don't have to because there is a great option in CS Instant Coffee. They make 100% Arabica Instant Coffee in compostable packaging. It's perfect for the outdoors or whenever you don't have the time to make a fresh pot. And right now you can save 50% on your first order by going to csinstant.coffee and using the code ADVENTURE at checkout. One of my new favorite pieces of gear is actually my wallet, and that's because it's been inspired by simplicity by Rome products. It's a minimalist style wallet, holds my cash, my cards, holds it really tightly because it's elastic, and it's probably eliminated my wallet size down by 60 to 70%. They offer a variety of designs from artistic to patterns, and they're machine washable if they get dirty. They come with a little carabiner so you can clip it to things like your keys or your lanyard. And they also offer a complete line of silicone rings with a variety of styles and colors. So if you're tired of carrying around a big bulky wallet, go to wheredoyouroam.com and use the code PODCAST with a capital P at checkout for 20% off. 
I was just looking over your list of all of these great hikes, and there's so many that I'm curious about. Most of our listeners are going to be familiar with the Appalachian Trail and the Continental Divide Trail. We've done several shows on that, mm-hmm. but we've not yet done a show on the Long Trail. It's been it's been mentioned, <laughs> but the Long Trail, that's like the first big long one, isn't it? Isn't that the Granddaddy? Yeah, I think it's the oldest one, yeah. Um, yeah, that was it was an interesting one, actually. We kind of did it because it was close to home. And uh, the bottom part uh, is the same as the AT. And then the northern area, you know, goes towards Canada versus going um, towards Maine. Uh, That one was it was an interesting one for me because it was fairly short comparatively to all the other hikes that I've done. Um, And we kind of rushed through it a little bit. It's like, oh, it's just such a short one. We can't take a day off. We don't deserve a day off, Mm. which your mind gets really weird after a while (laughs) when you're doing really long hikes. Um, and, um, And it was kind of hot and it was super rooty and rocky in the end of it. So I didn't enjoy it as much as I should have, I think. I should have just taken a slower pace. And taken another day off and like enjoy the, um, the water breaks more and the greenery because it doesn't have a ton of views. Um, so it kind of folk, it's kind of forces you to look at the little things more. Uh, my husband loved it. He loves trees. Um, and he doesn't mind the rocks and the roots as much. It's a, it's a hard one to hike. Actually, the Northern section is, is really steep and, and, um, rocky and rooty. Some areas they have ladders, um, but they have a nice system of, of shelters. Um, there's a lot of shelters on that one. Um, so that's kind of nice. You meet other people that are hanging out there. Um, yeah, it, it was an interesting one, um, for sure. That's funny. And I'm looking at your list and I have to give you a hard time here just a little bit. I don't see the Colorado Trail on your list here. No. Um, well, because, well, and actually I, I'm just going to say that like it's the Colorado, the Continental Divide Trail has a lot of the Colorado Trail in it, right? But right. it's actually the section that I did a huge shortcut because we hit snow. So, uh, we were kind of slow. So we hit a lot of snow. Um, and it's been on my list for a very long time and, um, just haven't gotten around to doing it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I really, I really want to, and I might do it this summer. Um, but it's harder for me now to get, to take summertime off. Um, so we're doing a lot of the way that, that my business works is, uh, and my husband's business works is that we can take winter time off. So we haven't done a ton of summer hiking, um, in the last couple of years. Mm. Um, yeah, because that's that's the time that I can do. Uh, I have my own sock doll business where I do craft shows. Um, so in the summertime, there's a lot of craft shows going on um, that, you know, so I try to make a little bit of money. So it's harder to do summer hikes. Otherwise, I would have done I would have finished the Pacific Northwest Trail and, and I would have gone back to the Colorado Trail. And that long trail one was we kind of fit it in because it wasn't as long. So we're like, all right, we can do that. You know, some weeks in, in August or July or whatever we did. Um, right. But they, yeah, that's that's why. But I want I want to do it. <laughs> well, I shouldn't give you a hard time about it because I haven't done it and I live here. <laughs> I want to, I want to do it because I that's one of those things. Like I did the CDT, but I missed like that highlight because it was so snowy already and. Uh, uh, if we had gone through that, we would have been down to like 10 miles a day and we would have been done, I don't know, by Christmas time or something. So <laughs> we decided that probably wasn't the smart thing to do. 
But no, it's, it's, I want to, I want to do that one and I want to do the Pacific Northwestern one. I want to do the Sierra High Road. Um, but yeah, summertime is a little harder to take time off and that would be stuff that I'd do by myself. My husband was like, Oh, well, if you want to go and do the Colorado trail, I don't know. He's like, I didn't, I was only 1% mad at you for doing the Hayduke trail by yourself and 99% happy because I don't want to do that trail. But he's <laughs> like, if you want to do the Colorado trail, I'll be 2% mad at you. <laughs> because <laughs> that's a trail i want to do too well he actually did hike it already but he would love to do that one again yeah oh that's yeah fun. so yeah that's just the season is a little harder you know i found yeah. out yesterday that the state of colorado just published a new website that allows you to find hiking trails in colorado and the reason for this is because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of miles of hiking trails in colorado which is uh -huh. really the reason why i have not done the colorado trail Huh. Because I always pick a wilderness area that I really want to explore. Right. And it's more of a, okay, I can use this piece of trail and that piece of trail to get to this lake and this mountain. And maybe I could summit that 13er. And, yeah. and so the Colorado Trail is like, well, you get on the trail and you walk. And so I'm more of a kind of a destination guy. You know? uh -huh. But anyway, I, I totally get it. That's fun. <laughs> Very fun. Well, you had quite an achievement here in 2014. You completed all 48 4,000 footers. Um, in only 11 days, unsupported in the White Mountains. Yes. People in, in Colorado and the West are pretty familiar with uh, the 14ers and the people that try to set records on climbing right. the 14ers. So this is a parallel effort back east. Tell us yes. about that. Um, so that was an, it was an interesting one. Um, I'm normally not somebody who tries to do like a ton of miles in a day. I, I you know, I like to when I can, but, um, I, I heard about this, this challenge where somebody had done all 48, 4,000 footers, um, unsupported. Well, he, I think he, he stayed in some hostels, but he had done them in 10 days. And I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe I can beat that time if I do 25 miles a day. And this was like, I was inspired by my friend Anish who, who set all the, you know, the speed records. And I had been talking to, um, Jen Far Davis who had done the AT speed record at that time. I was like, I wonder what that feels like to really push yourself and to see, you know, uh, if you have the willpower to get up every morning really early and then do all the miles and then, and, you know, see, just push yourself. I was wondering if I had willpower like that. Um, and, um, so, so I looked at the route, um, that, that, that guy had taken and I was just like, okay, maybe I can try this. And I had just, I had tried to do the Sierra high route, but I, I just didn't have enough time and I wasn't in good enough shape to, um, to finish that. And then I got back over here and I was like, well, I've got the high elevation, uh, um, uh, exercise in me right now. So maybe I can, I can, you know, do this, um, but it was an interesting effort to connect all the 48 summits in, in a continuous line, more or less. And, uh, and yeah, and to force myself to get up every morning really early and do all the miles, try to get as many miles in as possible, uh, and then hike at night in the dark. The trails are, are not that easy. Um, and then adding that, that darkness to it. And I, I really don't like hiking in the dark all that much. So it was a, a very interesting experience for me to do things that were definitely out of my comfort zone and, um, and to see that I did have the willpower, but I'm, I'm, I'm not a speed record person. I'm not that fast. Um, but, uh, 
yeah, it was it was a very cool experience. And and then you're also getting at places in times where you normally wouldn't wouldn't be at. So I got to the summit of Kerrigan and um there was an undercast so i'm looking down on the clouds but it's like it was 9 or 10 p.m so it was dark already but the moon was like shining on the undercast so i had a moon reflected undercast it was like really awesome um so yeah uh, it was it was an interesting experience uh for me to kind of explore my limits and 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 see that side of the of the adventure sport if you want to see it that way would you recommend it, that kind of faster, more aggressive record-setting hiking? Do you think that that's uh, something that other people should do more of, or, or how do you feel about it? Um, I think it's a different type of personality. Some people really like that, and they like the physical aspect of it. They like pushing. Uh, they like to see where their limits lie. And then there's other people that hike more for the scenery, uh, uh my husband likes to really do super long day hikes. He likes to get up at like 2 a.m., hike the entire presidential range, uh, and that, and, and he has nobody on the trails and he doesn't do, he clears his head that way. So it's an exercise like he, you know, he gets all the stress out of his head, uh, hikes in the dark, uh, gets the exercise done. And then he's up on the presidential range with beautiful views when the sun comes up no other people on the trail and then he'll go to the other other end of it and then he'll turn around and do it again and so mm. he's like and that's something for him it's an exercise that clears his mind he gets to see pretty scenery and he, he's not on the trails where most people are on the trails so for him that works for me getting up at two or three a.m it's horrific it's <laughs> 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 not my, and i i like to see the scenery so hiking in the dark for me is not something I enjoy. So it's, it's really, yeah, what, what, what do you like? What do you get the most out of? And, and sometimes I, uh, definitely don't push the miles and I go and hang out with a couple of friends that, you know, we're just doing a social hike. Let's do five miles and do Welsh sticky, which is a short popular loop and just hang okay. out and, and take breaks at every single viewpoint. And, um, so there's, yeah, there's different, different types of hiking and every, different types of, of hiking personalities and, uh, and per day, it, you know, it, for me, it differs. Like sometimes I want to do a 20 mile day just because it feels good. You know, it gives you a little bit of the not runner's high. It, it feels good. Um, and sometimes I just want to go out and take beautiful pictures and, and sit on a ledge and stare at the scenery. Um, sure. so yeah, it's, it's up to, uh, up to whatever, whatever you want to get out of it. Um, I think. Yeah. You hear hikers often say, backpackers say, hike your own hike, right? Yeah. And I think that matters a lot because you don't want to be miserable trying to do something that you didn't come to do. Instead, True. you should be out there doing what you love. That's why you're there in the first place, right? Right. Yep. So, um, I yeah. think that that really matters. But just for the people that have not done backpacking before, would you take a moment to describe the benefits that you get out of it, the reasons for for going and, and doing the effort? I mean, everybody has their own reasons, like we just said, hike your own hike, right? Right. But to you, what is it really like to go out and do a multi-day trip? Um, I love it. It's just the simplicity of, yeah, just, you know, going out the multi-day hike, you have to do your prep ahead of time, but then you have you have your maps, you have your food, you have your backpack. And, um, and then I don't have to think about anything else. I just, just hike, find, you know, find my spot to, to sleep 
and make sure I have enough food and, and my water. And, um, that's, that's, that's for me what I got out of it. It's, it's, and I don't have to, uh, be worried about what's going on in the world for a little bit, which is mm. wonderful. <laughs> so for you, it's so, the simplicity of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't have to stress of society, um, as much. Right. Yeah. I think for some people, they want to accomplish a major goal. So it's covering a huge distance in a certain period of time. Or for some people, it's that they want to see some scenery or a location that they've dreamed of experiencing. Right. Yeah. And that's right. part of it. That, yeah. No, I definitely, that that's the part of it. Like the exploring, the seeing the scenery. Uh, and it, obviously it's really cool. It's like, wow, I hiked, you know, I hiked all the way from Canada to Mexico. And, and, uh, definitely my first hikes is like, I wonder if I can actually do that. And a lot of the trails, it's like still like when you do a harder trail or a new trail, it's like, I wonder if I can. Uh, and, and for me, that, that is a big part of it to do the, the Appalachian trail for me was a harder one because it didn't have that challenge. I had already done the, uh, Pacific Crest trail. That was my first real long distance hike. So I'd already done that. I knew I could walk. I knew I could backpack. I knew I could do the camping part. Um, as long as I didn't get injured, you know, I knew I could hike the Appalachian Trail. So to not have that challenge in there uh, made it harder for me to hike it. Um, and it didn't have, you know, the vistas that the, the trails out west had. So I was kind of spoiled by that. Sure. Um but then I found other ways to enjoy that trail, like the community, you know, the uh, the little towns along the way. I'd never been to, you know, you know, like the the East Coast or or just you know the Southeast. Um, uh, so that was uh, that made it a very different hike. But yeah, it's it's that curiosity, like can I actually accomplish this task, uh, is definitely part of it as well. Yeah, there's a lot of different facets to what makes it interesting for me, and I think for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, I'd like to swing back around to gear. We just touched on a couple of things, but what about footwear? This is a big one um, to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm totally a convert for the trail runners. And even like if you have nice sandals, <laughs> that's super comfy as well. Um, I, if you have like a trail that has a lot of road walking, I, I've started to carry sandals because it's a little softer. Um mm. But, uh, yeah, I can't really do the boots anymore unless it's winter hiking. Uh, I just do, yeah, trail running shoes. People that sell boots used mm -hmm. to always say, well, you really, if you're going to do that kind of distance, you need a steel shank and you need this, this high ankle support. <laughs> and this is heavy leather. I get that. You're going to have yep. to break these in. It's going to take quite a bit of hiking just to get these where you're not going to have blisters. But this is really what you need to support yourself with a backpack. And that was the old lore. Yes. And it sounds sounds like you don't believe that anymore. No. Um it's funny because I I used to work at a at an outdoor uh gear shop and um it was one of those where you have the training videos and it had a little little practice question it said like, "Well, so if somebody comes into store and they want to hike the Pacific Crest Trail, what would you recommend?" And I was like, "Trail running shoes." No, no. The answer is running, not, uh, is backpacking boots, full leather, ankle high. And I'm like, uh, no, actually, no, that's not the right answer. But um, I still see like a use for maybe the heavier boots or the ankle boots. Uh, if you are maybe in the White Mountains and you really don't have strong ankles, 
because some of the rugged trails, it, you know, it might, it might still be useful. Um, but for me, I've hiked so much. I've strengthened my ankles. I'm not going to roll an ankle. If I do roll an ankle, they're strong enough to recover. Um, and yeah, they're not as stiff. The trail running shoes are not as stiff. They're more comfortable. They do wear out a little quicker than boots do. Um, but those really like heavy leather boots. Um, yeah, I, for me that, that doesn't work. Yeah. I, I've started steering wide of the, the heavy shank in the boot too. And mm. this is personal preference. Yeah. But I like to feel the rocks under my feet, even though people say, Oh, you're going to bruise your feet and stuff. Well, whatever. <laughs> but what I don't like is when you step on a kind of a spike of rock. Right. And then you feel like you're teeter tottering on it. Right. And with a softer shank, your foot can form around it and it's more stable. You know right. what I mean? And I th- yeah. And I think it's also like if you have more scrambly terrain, it's better to have a softer shoe because uh, you can, yeah, you can feel or grip that better. I feel, I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think we're on the same page with that. And it's not the way that backpacking was traditionally done years ago. But it, mm. it's become something that people are doing more and more of. There are so many more trail runners on the market today and lower top hikers and, and so many varieties of sandals. Holy cow. True, I yes. Mean, it's, there's so much out there that you can explore. Of course, the, the time of the year makes a difference too. So. Right, yeah, yeah. I did finally crack down and, and get a pair of winter hiking boots because uh, actual winter hiking with trail runners in the White Mountains uh, was not a good idea. (laughs) (laughs) No. Um, Like you just, you, I mean, when I do a through hike and I'm in snow, it's usually, you know, it's short sections or it's maybe a week or so, but you're, it's usually spring time. And then, you know, the sun will keep you warm. Your feet will dry out during lunch break or something like that. Uh, but here actual winter hiking, uh, I was, I started just using the trail running shoes and my, I just was constantly worried about my feet getting, uh, frostbitten and, and putting a little warmer thingies in. And I was like, no, this is just stupid. If I'm going to do some winter hiking in winter, I should really have some, some boots or insulated boots or something or other. So at that point, yes, go, go get the boots. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I, w- I would like to talk about socks in two ways. The first way is for actually wearing them. <laughs> we'll get to the second one next. But um, what do you recommend for socks and backpacking? There are a lot um, of schools of thought out there. I really like those, uh, the Injinji toe socks, because uh, uh, they separate your toes in a way so that you don't get the blisters between your toes. I mean, if you have perfectly straight toes, there's not an issue, right? You can just, it doesn't matter. But if you have something digging into a next toe or something, those toe socks are, are wonderful. I have not had mm. blisters between my toes in a very long time. So that's what, that's what I've been using. Um, then for winter time, I think my feet stay warmer if I, if I have regular socks, cause then it kind of pulls the heat, like the sort of the thing with mittens and, and, and gloves, you know, it kind of pulls the heat a little bit more if they're not separated. Um, and I think you can't really get super thick toe socks that wouldn't really fit in your shoe, I guess. <laughs> um, so that's, that's what I use. And then for summer, you know, the thinner the sock for me is better because I have really wide feet. So then I have more room in my shoes. So mm, interesting. And what about the material? Most people say cotton is a bad idea. Yeah, they don't dry out. Some people might argue that, but what, what do you prefer? I think 
the ingenies that I have, they're kind of, they're either synthetic or they have some merino wool in it. Um, cause I have some smart wool ones that are toe socks as well that uh, are just, I think they're just merino wool or something like that. So yeah, either synthetic or wool. Wool is always comfortable, but I'm not sure. I don't think those, those toe socks came in a lot of wool. Well, what about thick versus thin? Now, with the toe socks, thin is going to have to be, right? But for extra padding. True. Uh, yeah, I mean, if your feet are softer and, you know, they're not as broken in, it might be nice to have some thicker socks that have more padding. Uh, and if you have the room in your shoe. For me, I again, I have really wide feet, so if I can minimize the amount of fabric that's on the sock, I'll take it. I'll, that's what I do, but um, that's just because I don't have the extra room in my shoe. Uh, otherwise, uh, and I don't like getting hot feet, and I get hot feet really quickly. Um, but that's it's a lot of personal preference on that one. Uh, you know, if you like a softer, softer sock and a little bit more cushion and you, you feet don't heat up as much, just, you know, by all means, go get the nice thick padding sock. Um, but yeah, it, that really is kind of a, a trial and error kind of thing. I think there's also the old school of thought where people say, oh, you got to wear a liner and then you got to get a sock over it. And, um, for some people that works. And for, I think for most people nowadays, that's kind of overkill, but that kind of went with the big boot. You know, you sure. that would like not get you as many blisters because you have more padding. Um, but yeah, I f- don't think a lot of people use the liner socks as much anymore. So I think that a lot of those philosophies came to actually protect your foot from the boot. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah, true, true. Yeah, 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 true. <laughs> I think that the challenge for me with socks, you mentioned trial and error. Uh-huh. And I, we're kind of doing a deep dive into socks, but this really matters for backpacking. Um, yeah, it does. The wrong sock can mess things up a lot. I had some thicker synthetics that I tried. They ate my feet for breakfast. Oh my gosh! And that can happen. And stores sell all kinds of things with a label, you know, backpacking sock or hiking sock, and they don't all work. And I'm not sure no. why that is. It's interesting because some people, some people's feet just blister more often, or something. It's like. It's it's interesting to see, like, my husband is just much more prone to getting blisters than I am, and he's wearing the same socks, but yeah, I mean, different shoes, softer feet, I don't know, I walk bare feet quite a bit, uh, if that toughens up your feet, um, I don't know, yeah, I think it's, interesting. it's a personal, personal thing, yeah. Well, and here's the one that blew my mind, I got a synthetic sock specifically for a backpacking trip. And the store advertised it as the best sock since sliced bread. You know, this is the <laughs> sock. And so I'm really excited. I put them on, and my feet got sweaty the first day. So I pulled off the socks and rinsed them out and hung them up. And now I'm talking about Colorado dry weather. Hmm. A cotton sock here will dry in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. That sock was wet for more than two days. Wow. I have no idea what it was. It was supposed to be a quick drying fabric, but it was wow. just a sponge. And I thought, man, I certainly fell for that one, didn't I? That's weird, huh? Really, really weird, weird stuff. So that's why I say trial and error probably matters. You got to right. find something that really works for you. And then once right. you know what it is, maybe stick with it, right? Right. And what you're saying about the rinsing out, that's important too. Like, uh, if you're, yeah, if you keep wearing your socks and you don't rinse them out, then, you know, you'll get more sweat and more dust and then your sock will get rougher. 
So yeah, rinse it out when you can and then dry them out and then put your clean pair on. That's why I'm saying like carry two or three pairs. I usually carry two for hiking and then one for sleeping because I don't like sleeping with toe socks on. So I'll have a regular pair of sock, like maybe a darn tough sock or whatever um, that doesn't have the toes in it for sleeping if I need to have something to keep my feet warm. So for the last six months, I have completely switched over to Umbra sunglasses, and that's because they fixed everything that frustrates me about sunglasses. First of all, they removed the arms, so it's just a cord that connects the frame and it goes around your head, and it's able to cinch and securely fit against my head, doesn't shake off at all, and when you pull them off, it's completely flat because there's no arms, so you can't break them. So I put them in my pocket and they're good to go. You can wear them in the river, you can wear them biking, you can wear them playing basketball outside. They're not going to fall off. And you don't get a headache from the arms pressing up against you. I was skeptical until I put them on, and honestly, I, I don't even have any other pair of sunglasses now. And also, they give back to the environment. They use zero plastic packaging. They plant 20 trees per every pair that's sold. And to date, they've planted over 125,000 mangrove trees. So if you'd like to get a pair, go to ombras.com, and that is O-M- braz.com Well, let's talk about the other side of socks and this is a lot more fun. So, this <laughs> your your sock dolls. Tell us about this. They're really cute. I was looking on your website. I thought, "Wow, that kind of creative. This is neat stuff." Thanks. Yeah, those are, uh, well, yeah, I, I just, you know, started uh, making my my dolls as, as my business. And I kind of started as a photographer, but that's, you know, everybody's doing it and everybody does really great with that. So then I always made dolls uh, uh, growing up as well. So I was like, oh, let's try to see how that works. And uh, then I started making, yeah, dolls out of socks and try to find fun patterns and actually, you know, cut into perfectly, you know, good socks and make fun creatures out of them. So I made these little, like lately I've been making little guys that have backpacks on as well. So you can take them hiking. And I got like, I made little ones out of baby socks that I put a little carabiner on. So they, I call them my backpack buddies. Uh, so they can hook on your, on your uh, backpack and then you can, you know, take them hiking with you. And, um, it's kind of fun, like, uh, to take pictures of the little dolls in nature instead of taking selfies. Um, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's fun. It's fun to do. So, uh, and people have been responding to it. So they, you know, like several, several of my friends, Anish actually has one, even though she's ultra lightweight, but she has one of my little backpack buddies on her backpack. <laughs> um, so that's well, give us the fun. website so people could see what you're talking about because, when I first heard of the idea, I thought, well, I remember the, the kind of rag dolls that were made in mm -hmm. Appalachia back when, you know, mm -hmm. 100 years ago. But what you've got going is, is more creative than that by far. But I kind of like it because it's still like, I guess, taking something non-plastic and making something really cool out of it. You know what I'm Thanks. saying? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. I try to, you know, I have the really cute ones. They're like super cute. And then I have some weird ones. I don't think on the website currently there's a lot of weird ones. They're mostly cute ones. Uh, but it's 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 fun to transform. Yeah, to transform them into, into cute little characters. And 
And and then what's fun for me too is like when people do get the little guys and they put them on their backpack and then they take pictures of them and then they send them to me or they post them on my Facebook page and like, oh, this guy went to Utah. This guy went to Canada. <laughs> and it's like, oh, they're they're going places I've never been before. Um, and they, yeah, and they sent the pictures back to me and it's really it's a lot of fun. Uh, oh, one yeah. of them went to Japan like a couple weeks ago. One of them was in Japan. <laughs> so that's been well, how a lot cool of fun. is that? People should just do that. They should take your dolls places and see what kind of a collection of places. Maybe these dolls can see the planet. Yeah, it's fun. Um, so the website to see those, it's it's your name, right? www.arletlan, yeah. and that's L-A-A-N. So let me let me spell the whole thing. Yeah. A-R-L-E-T-T-E-L-A-A-N.com. Is that right? Yes, that's right. Yeah, and then it has a little link to it, to the, the actual shop part of it. Um, but yeah, yeah. Oh, that's fun. And you also have a blog where people can uh, see pictures and read about your latest exploits. So what is yes. that? Uh, so that's uh, arletlan.wordpress.com, I think, yes. And okay, then a lot so... of my, my earlier hikes, they're all on trailjournals.com. So they can ah, just okay. uh, look for apple pie or arlet. Um, on that one that has uh, all the older ones because you know I started hiking before the whole social media thing got started so trail journals was like the place to go to put your journal on um, <laughs> so a right lot on. of my older my older ones are on there still yeah and you mentioned apple pie that's your trail name yes how did you get your trail name there's almost always a story uh yeah it's well you know it, it, it's the, the long name is dutch apple pie because i i love dutch apple pie mm. and i love pastries in general um so sweet sweet stuff is good um and i'm i know how to make an apple pie so that kind of that kind of is why um why that well, that became my name yep you're you're welcome at my house anytime <laughs> as long as you bring your pie pans with you yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, apple pie is the best. Yeah, mm. that's awesome. <laughs> that's a fun trail name, too. It's well, a good one, yeah. <laughs> sure, you bet. Everyone smiles when they think of apple pie. I mean, how could and you then, not, right? And I didn't know about the expression, you know, as American as apple pie. That that I heard later. It's like, oh, that doesn't really make sense, but it's kind well, of funny. But the funny. Dutch apple. <laughs> Dutch apple makes sense, right? Yes, yes, true. true. <laughs> that's That's great. So... Let's talk a little bit. Um, you mentioned Ibex and Gossamer Gear and Redline Guiding. You've got a lot going on with these people. Tell us what's going on with that. Um, so I just wanted to do a shout out to Ibex because they've been uh, I've been getting some some nice shirts and, um, and and a little jacket from them. And it's it's I re- really just recently discovered merino wool. Uh, actually, since that um, New Zealand trail. Cause we saw all the sheep there <laughs> right? and, uh, uh, it's so comfortable. I had no idea. Um, uh, yeah, super comfortable. So I wanted to give them, give them a shout out. Um, and, uh, Gossamer gear, I've just, uh, became a, a, a ambassador for them. Um, I've been using their backpacks for a while, so it's not like I'm just, you know, like advertising because of advertising. Uh, but I've been using their backpacks. They're really comfortable. I like them a lot. Um, and, uh, the, the redlineguiding.com, the, he just started his business last fall and, um, I'm signed up as a guide and I'm hoping to get people interested in going on overnight hikes with me or, you know, just day hikes or specific women's groups. So if anybody 
is interested in signing up for trips like that, um, you know, feel free to check out the redlineguiding.com website and uh, request me. <laughs> right on. So, so what a great way to get into it if you've never done it before to go yeah. with a guide who says, okay, I've been here, done that, and I can make sure that you come back happy and uh, having had a good experience, right? Yes, true. So redlineguiding.com, and they can help with the equipment as well, right? Yes, yeah. If you're a totally newbie, he has uh, uh, ready packs is what he calls them. So it's like a backpack with all the, you know, there's several layers of clothing in it. Um, in the winter trekking poles in the winter time, uh, he also has uh, gear for, for doing winter ascents. That's what he, the owner specialty is, is doing a lot of, he's done a ton of winter ascents of Mount Washington in the White Mountains, um, which is a pretty precarious thing if you got to be so careful with the weather and knowing what you're doing. Sure. Uh, and then my specialty would be to try, uh, yeah, to introduce people to backpacking. Uh, I could do a lightweight backpacking clinic or medium weight. I'm not super, super lightweight, but I know how to do it. <laughs> I just, I've done it a few times and I was uncomfortable. So I was like, you know what? I kind of want that extra sweater. Um, <laughs> right. so, uh, yeah. So stuff like that, um, you can, uh, you can learn. There's also navigation classes. I just, uh, did a refresher on the map and compass navigation classes, classes. So if you want to do like a bushwhacking or stuff like that, um, very good classes as well. And this is out of the New Hampshire area, North Conway, right? Yeah, North Conway, right, right uh, near the, the White Mountains. Yeah. Very cool. And so if people want more information about that, what is the website? Redlineguiding.com. Redlineguiding.com. Yeah, it's cool. It's it's a name after in the whites, there's all these lists that you, that people do, you know, the 48, 4,000 footers, there's the 52 with a view. And then if you're not very peak bagging oriented, you can do redlining and redlining is where you try to hike all of the trails that are in the white mountain uh, guidebook and on the maps and all the map trails, they're all red lines. So basically you're trying to cover all of the red lines that are on the maps. It's about 1500 miles of, of, of trails. Um, and so that's the, the owner has done almost all of them. I'm at like almost 60% done with it. It's a lot of work, but it's fun because you discover new trails in the areas. So that's where the name is from. Um, redlining. Redlining. Very cool. I did not know that was a thing. And by the way, I mentioned the new website for finding trails in Colorado, mm -hmm. 39,000 miles. Wow. I just looked it up. 39,000 miles oh, of hiking goodness. trails in Colorado. So wow. if you want to redline Colorado, it might take a little <laughs> bit longer. You'd be busy for a while. <laughs> yeah, oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah, that's just nuts. Just nuts. Huh. Well, Arlette, thank you so much for sharing your passion about backpacking today and giving us great tips and tricks and stories about all the places you've been. I, uh, I really appreciate your insight and your experience. Well, thanks for having me. That was fun. Oh, you bet. And stay in touch. Let us know what's going on with you from time to time. We'll make sure that the listeners know about it. All righty. Sounds good. When I hike that Colorado trail, I'll let you know. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it'd be great because maybe we could hook up and hike a section together. I could get the the family together, and that would be really, really fun. <laughs> cool. That'd be great. And for all of our listeners out there, thank you very much for listening today. We appreciate you too. And uh, make sure to go to our site, leave a comment, 
Let us know what you think about backpacking. Uh, Tell your friends about the Adventure Sports Podcast. We love that. And always, like I always say, until the next show, get out there and have some fun. First of all, thank you so much for listening. It means the world to us that you choose to listen to this show. If you'd like to help us further, you can leave a review on iTunes, share us with your friends, your family. It goes a long way to grow in the show. You can also support us financially through patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast. Link is in the show notes. And also, if you have an idea of who could be a good guest for the show, we're always looking for people to tell their story uh, about the outdoors or adventure. So if you know someone, please reach out. Email us at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. And until then, get out there and have some fun.